You're listening to a podcast from GUT. Welcome to the GUT podcast. I'm Mary McLean, Senior Lecturer and Consultant in Gastroenterology at Aberdeen University in Scotland, UK, and current Visiting Academic Fellow at the National Cancer Institute in the USA. In my role as Education Editor for GUT, I'm hosting this podcast today. This month, I'm discussing the Editor's Choice Manuscript from the April edition of GUT, presented by Dr. Remy Borsellin's group and collaborators, entitled Metabolic Adaptation to a High-Fat Diet is Associated with a Change in the Gut Microbiota. This work was conducted within several institutes based in Toulouse in France and is also the focus of an accompanying commentary in GUT. I'm delighted to welcome the manuscript's first author, Dr. Matteo Serino, based at INSERM in Toulouse in France, here today to discuss this paper. Um, welcome, Matteo. And first, I'd like to just begin by exploring the background to this paper. Can you give us an overview of the research that has shown diet can contribute to metabolic disease and the role of the gastrointestinal microbiota in this process? Sure. Good morning, Mary, and thanks for this opportunity to share with you and the readers of GUT my latest results. Well, the IFA diet has been shown to induce metabolic disease tens of years ago, and it is a very well-acquired and dissected concept to date. By contrast, the team directed by my boss, Remy Burslan, was the first to link in 2007 a bacterial antigen, the lipopolysaccharide, to the low chronic gland inflammation characterizing metabolic diseases such as type 2 diabetes and obesity. Then, Gordon's team provided pioneer evidence for the involvement of gut microbiota alteration, called dysbiosis, in obesity, even depicting a role of inducer for gut microbes in this pathology. Well, your previous work showed that mice-fed differing diets could express different phenotypes in relation to glycemic control and the onset of diabetes, and I believe this finding led to the evolution of this current work. Can you describe these previous key studies and how this influenced this current research? Well, the story began in 2002 when Remy Burselaine provided the first evidence of metabolic adaptation to high-fat diet in C57 black seeds male mice, which, despite the same genetic background and the same diet, displayed the metabolic adaptation clustering in four distinct groups after nine months of treatment, lean diabetic or not diabetic and obese diabetic non-diabetic. So what were the or what were the aims of this current paper? Can you outline that for us, please? Well, taking into account the emerging role of a gut microbiota in metabolic diseases, we investigated whether it could be differentiating the different metabolic phenotypes in our model of metabolic adaptation. Indeed, to get rid of obesity as a confounding factor in the diabetic phenotype, we focused on the metabolic phenotypes of lean diabetic versus lean non-diabetic mice. Can you take us through the experimental methodologies you employed to investigate this? Um, for example, firstly, can you outline the diet that you used and how you assessed the metabolic activities and the inflammatory status of your mice in response to this? Well, in order to get the metabolic phenotypes, we fed a cohort of 100 male mice, all on a C57 black cis genetic background, our alpha diet for three months. 
Then, an additional group of mice was fed a fat diet supplemented with glucoholigosaccharides, diet fibers intended as a tool to directly impact gut microbiota during the phenomenon of metabolic adaptation in order to investigate whether we could change the occurrence of phenotype by impacting gut microbiota. Once we got to the phenotypes, we first performed a very extensive analysis of both inflammation and glucose metabolism markers in plasma and insulin target tissue such as liver, white adipose tissue, and skeletal muscle by employing technologies such as Luminex, quantitative PCR, Western blot, and even histology. Next, can you just briefly take us through the methodologies you employed to assess the gut microbial population? Sure. First, as a proof of concept, we analyzed the extracted total DNA from the sequence content of mice by the natural gradient gel electrophoresis, a PCR-based technique sensitive enough to detect gut microbiota changes when compared to two or more groups. Then, once confirmed our hypothesis, we moved further to identify groups or taxa of bacteria showed changed by the DGGE. To do so, we amplified the specific variable region of the 16S bacterial DNA, the B2 region. This gene is highly conserved among bacteria, but it has variable regions whose sequence differs among dissimilar groups, allowing their identification. Therefore, the obtained amplicons were checked in size and then submitted to the pyrosequencing technology. In addition, we investigated gut microbiota change by the mean of quantitative PCR, analyzing the relative quantitative change in graft of bacteria whose modulation during metabolic disease was already described, such as bifidobacteria or clostridia. Moving on to the results now, how did the mice react to the dietary change from a metabolic and gut microbial perspective? As expected, we found deep metabolic differences in lean diabetic mice when compared to their lean non-diabetic counterpart. In detail, gut and adipose tissue function were the most affected during the process of metabolic adaptation. Conversely, slight differences were found in liver and skeletal muscle. Interestingly, gut microbiota was dramatically different in lean diabetic when compared to lean non-diabetic mice with an inverted bacteroidetes firmicutes ratio increased in the lean diabetic mice. Surprisingly, ghost-treated fat-fed mice, despite showing an intermediate metabolic phenotype mostly overlapped to lean non-diabetic mice, were characterized by a unique gut microbiota with a strong exacerbation in the bacteroidetes firmicutes ratio. You also measured gut permeability and systemic inflammatory status, and how does this fit into your story? Sure. We wanted to analyze whether a lack in the efficacy of the first buyer against the external environment represented by the gut epithelium could be driving metabolic dysfunction by allowing bacterial antigens such as LPS pass into the systemic circulation. This reasoning came from the first evidence reported by the team of Professor Birsulan in 2007 when he showed that increased plasma LPS levels termed metabolic endotoxemia and associated to a fat-induced gut microbiota dysbiosis were the driver of metabolic disease. Also, why adipose tissue was found to be a link between a changing diet-associated gut microbial signature and metabolic phenotype. Can you just talk us through your findings on this and the implications in the disease development? Sure. It comes without saying that 
after a quick look to literature, white adipose tissue clearly emerges as a preferential target of a dysbiosis in gut microbiota. However, evidence was based on the study of canonical defined model of metabolic disease in which fat-fed mice were compared to normal diet-fed counterparts. Therefore, we reasoned whether even in our model of metabolic adaptation in which all the mice are fed a fat diet, the white adipose tissue physiology could be differently impacted. Our findings outline and extend the importance of white adipose tissue in metabolic diseases, even in our model in which we intentionally lacked the occurrence of obesity. Therefore, our results suggest white adipose tissue may play an important role for the onset of diabetes preceding the occurrence of obesity. So what comes first, the change in gut microbiota or the host metabolic adaptation? Yeah, this is a $1 billion question, let me say. However, few results are available so far in literature to allow formulating an answer. I really hope our model of metabolic adaptation will help us understanding this metabolic dilemma. So overall, what's the main message from this work? Well, the main message was that our results outline the fact that gut microbiota may represent the driver of the susceptibility towards a given treatment, such as a fat diet. Can you suggest how your findings may fit into a clinical context, for example, to promote gastrointestinal health or develop potential therapeutics for disease? Sure. So far, we have demonstrated that gut microbiota is differentially associated to the capacity to tolerate or not a fat challenge. Therefore, by impacting gut microbes, we may be able to redirect the metabolic fate of people eating fat, who conversely will be ineluctably condemned to a diabetic obese life. So what's the future direction in this field and how does this story continue to evolve? Well, next step is the identification of both eukaryotic and prokaryotic molecular actors of metabolic adaptation to IFA diet. I really hope to talk to you soon again, displaying proceedings my colleagues and I may in this very challenging but exciting field of research. Well, that takes us to the end of the podcast today. Um, I'd like to thank Dr. Matteo Serino again for joining us today and discussing this manuscript with us. Thank you very much. You're welcome. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, go to podcasts.bmj.com.